are back in the football shed and Roger's just opened his beer at the perfect time. Uh, my name's John Hewitt. Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. Uh, what are you drinking, Rog? Uh, I'm on the Mountain Goat Summer Ale. Oh, nice. And Jeff King's here. G'day. What you got? I've got some Love Tap. <laughs> I've moved off the wedding <laughs> champagne. Oh, what is that one in and, a fancy glass? <laughs> and I've got some cider brandy. All the way from oh, Somerset. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to be classy. And it is cider brandy. It's fancy cider brandy. Oh. I'm ready. I'm ready to run out of beer. I'm already prepared. Do you know, I think we should also comment while we're on Jeff's drinks. Yeah. Uh, we don't need to talk about your drinks. You only, well, you only have drink one. one drink. <laughs> yes. uh, but um, we saw Jeff at the weekend. Yeah. Um, and Jeff drank a bottle of Bailey's like <laughs> like it was a beer and Jeff is the only person I've ever met that drinks a bottle of Bailey's in yes. one sitting just straight but I've got to say it was quite it, I quite enjoyed my it's, glass yeah, we both had a tipple later on yes. and went oh this is quite good it's Moorish isn't it it's yes. like it's like ice cream but warm but I don't know if it's Moorish for a whole bottle like, that's a lot of Bailey's yeah but it's great <laughs> I mean why it's not just for Christmas it's like a dog any week you can go to the park walk it it's great as long as it's cheap it was better than I thought it was going to be it wasn't even Bailey's it was like the Audi owned brand but it was called O'Donnell's O'Donnell's but we are the Football Shed we are here every week to talk about football with three English blokes who live in Melbourne and we record each week in Jeff's Shed with various beverages to go with it hence the name Football Shed you can find us on iTunes on Spotify. Um, if you enjoy it, give us a review, tell your mates, let everyone know about it, subscribe. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. There hasn't been many emails recently, so if anyone wants to get in contact, shoot us, shoot us a line. Um, and just search us on social media, Football Shed, and you'll find us. Have I ever told you that I'd have made you use a Tesco's bag as a belt? No. Was it Trent? <laughs> Don't say his name. Because oh, <laughs> I've, I've seen a few downloads in Portugal, which is where he lives right now, so I hope he's listening. Uh, just, uh, we were out and his belt broke. Yeah. So the closest thing to hand was a Tesco's belt. Well, that sounds very practical to me. Well, but the problem, well, the thing is, you think that's all right. Okay, that's quite in, in, you know, genius, ingenious, yeah. innovative. It's very MacGyver of him. Yeah. So he rolled it up in a big thing, like, yeah. tucked it through all his belt loops. Yeah. Uh, tied it up there you go he's got a belt for the night six months later still there he's like stretching up I'm like Trev mate it's alright I mean mate <laughs> are, you, are you still wearing your Tesco's bag belt same pair of trousers not washed them for six months so well, well they might be jeans That's the, right, the jeans. thing is he could have washed them and kept the Tesco's bag in there and it would have been fine because it's a Tesco's bag yeah it would have tried out so there's something ingenious about that yeah tr- but, but still but no what made you think of that or I just came to mind because <laughs> I was worried because because someone else I know was is getting a wax jumper like a wax waterproof jumper, and to me that strikes me as someone who has seen a solution to not washing their clothes. A wax waterproof. You know, like a is wax that like what, what are those special jackets they have in Australia that stink and you see? Wax jackets. Yeah, but what they got a special name? Barber, barber jackets. No, no, no. no. It's like a, something to do with like being an Aussie bushman or something. Well, yeah. So basically, this guy's found that you can get wax jackets, which means that like you spill something on it and it Dries just drops off. Yeah. So I, he's just never going to wash his jumper again. He's going to be a stinky man. And that reminds me of the Tesco's bag belt. <laughs> Scenario. They're in the same <laughs> ballpark, aren't they? They're on the same team. Quick, so we better talk about football. Let's just talk about football. So each week we do start with a question. <laughs> this week it's been the UEFA Nations League. Um, the Nations League. On, on cue, Jeff. Um, <laughs> do you know you did a really good Nations League last week or the week before? And it when I was listening to the pod, I had it up quite loud. And I almost got a bit of like a... Oh! <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm going for the other end of the Nations League in uh, Group D... Um, San Marino played six games in Greek D2 with Luxembourg, Belarus and Moldova. What was their goal difference from six games against those three teams? They didn't win a single game, did they? They lost every single game. Can you, Sorry, what were the teams again? They Marino. played Luxembourg, Belarus and Moldova. Minus 16. No, I'm going to go worse than that. I'll go minus 20. Minus 16. Um, But I just thought it was interesting the fact that like you have this new Nations League which as a general consensus has gone pretty well 
Um, and it's like, oh, teams that play against each other can actually try and win some games. Turns out, San Marino still shit. So, so where do they go then? What do they do? They just, just stay there. They just stay there and rot. Whatever happens, though, mm. they will always have that goal against England. And that is whenever I hear San Marino, <laughs> that's what I go to. Yeah. 1993. The, the bad old days of England not qualifying for the World Cup because we conceded at the time the fastest goal in international football. Yeah, nine seconds. Against San Marino. <laughs> It was brilliant. I remember San watching Marino, it. yeah, showing your age. Um, yeah. yeah, okay. So, so they're, so they're, they're bad. They're bad at football. They are. Did you see um, Kosovo? You see Kosovo yes. won four nil, four one yeah. against someone. Besar Barisha scored. Oh really? Oh, oh no, that's a lie. Besar Barisha he's played. Al- he's, Alba- yeah. he's Albanian, isn't he? No, he's Kosovan. Oh, he's, Kos- he's originally Albanian, yeah. but then also even more originally Kosovan. Now yep. Kosovo yes. are real. Everyone's yep. jumping on the Kosovo bandwagon. Yes. So he's declared to play for them. Yeah. That's awesome. Because they got promoted, didn't they? Mm. Where's he playing football these days? Up front, usually. <laughs> he's you know, still a victory. Is he? Yeah. No. Still, no. no, no, no last he's year. Left. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I missed that. Um, Jeff, we won the quiz. What would you like to talk about first? Okay. Um, I think England are good at football. I, I think you might be right. Uh, it's a neat you... segue from San Marino. Yeah. <laughs> did you watch the game? I did. I watched both. Um, I am, I mean, firstly, I loved the USA game. I thought watching Jaden Sancho was... Mm, awesome. It, it's incredible. It's the future. Like... He's a wonder kid. He plays for England. And what the fuck? Do you know what my favourite thing about Jaden Sancho is he is a wonder kid. And he's English. And it's brilliant. But he doesn't play in England. So there's less hype around him. And there's also less... Because we've got a good spread of young players at the moment. It's not like, oh, we've got this one guy. We've got a... Everything's about him. It's like, oh, he's just another good young player we've mm. got. And he's going to be a bit better than everyone else. But there's less... Ferrari around him which yeah, I really like he liked. doesn't seem to be overburdened with that pressure yeah. because of that as well and I think you can't you can't underestimate the importance of that with English footballers who for the last 20 odd years just seem to have really struggled with that weight of you know public perception and pressure around their neck so I I, I, I think that helps do you reckon that's Gareth Southgate he's created a scenario where Actually, they enjoy playing for England now because it seems to me that like they enjoy playing. Like you watch Rashford play for England, and Rashford has a smile on his face. He actually enjoys playing for England. He looks like he does stuff for Man United. He looks miserable, and it looks like they all just having a really good time. They're enjoying playing football. They're playing well. They're enjoying playing with their mates. They pass it around well. Like it just seems like a lot of fun. Like I want to play for them. I, I could not agree with you more. I, I think. Gareth Southgate deserves enormous credit for the atmosphere that he has created around the England team that we haven't seen for uh, possibly in in my memory in, in watching England. Maybe maybe you'd say Bobby Robson perhaps or maybe like Ter- Terry Venables very briefly, yeah. but that was more I think a wave of emotion for for a tournament because it was in England and yeah. that the players got caught up in that. Whereas I actually think there's more to it from Gareth Southgate's point of view. And I I feel like the sort of kick on from the World Cup and the way he's kept them grounded. And, and I mean, we going into the World Cup, we talked about being happy with England, not just playing without fear, yeah, playing, trying to play a way of football, playing without fear, and let's see what happens. Or, and, and, and or, or some of us predicted that we would win. <laughs> or some of us predicted we'd win the World Cup. But the, I feel like I was happy after the World Cup. I mean, in the end, I was a little bit disappointed because I thought we should have beaten Croatia. Harry Kane definitely should have scored that chance and we would have yeah. been 2-0 up and we, we should have won. But um, I think England have now beaten Spain and Croatia in relatively quick succession in competitive games that clearly meant something to all the players involved. Yeah. And I don't think you can underestimate that because England haven't done that for a very long time. There's some I know stats are like weird sometimes, but there was one stat which was that England from being one nil down against a top ranked team, um 
with only 25 minutes left or 20 minutes left or something haven't won a game in something like 70 years yeah wow so I, I just think there's I think there's been continual improvement and, and I just I, th- I don't see any reason why that can't continue Was you know it, like Gareth's like I uh, you were, we you were him. pretty anti. I was, yeah, I was. When, very... when he first came in, you said he was, um, and I can't remember the an word. establishment man, a yes, yes man, a yes man. And how did you describe him, Jeff? He was like a um, diarrhea chocolate bar. Is that yeah, right? yes, some some <laughs> kind of creative genius analogy. Yeah, <laughs> but we were hesitant about the fact that he was going to do anything. Um, I'd like to say that I was pretty confident, mildly. Um, no, but, you were. You were. You were positive. But um, the fact that yeah, you're right. They progressed after the World Cup and improved further. And the fact it's not like oh, we've got to the World Cup semi final and we have to play the same team again and again, and we have to pick exactly the same team because they got us there. No, this guy's in form. He's changed formation. Joe Gomez has come in. Chain formation, so he can play back back four now. If he needs to play a black, I can't say it, back three in the future, he will because he'll just play for the scenario. It's like a parallel universe. Like what, what we're watching in this England side is, okay, I'm going to say this, and you, please, you can pick holes in it if you want, but the ethic, the ethos yeah. is that we're watching a below-par Premier League team do exceptionally well. And yep. I say that because the players that are playing for England are not the stars for the top teams in the Premier mm. League. They're, some of them play in the Premier League, and I say you can pick and... You yeah. can you can rip that analogy apart, yeah. but in essence, we're we're watching England captain Fabian Delph, who yeah. is certainly not Manchester City captain. Yeah. You know, we're watching players who are that one rung below, like the Rashfords and the Lingards, yeah. who aren't starting for Man United. Whereas Marcus Rashford broke the broke Bobby Charlton's record of playing seventeen games for England in a calendar year this year. Wowzers! So he is. Yeah. That's an outrageous yeah. thing, and that record has stood since 1966, which is the last time England even played this many yeah. games. Like it's it's absolutely brilliant stuff, and we're watching players who, for their club sides, are not not what's the t- pulling up daisies? What's what are you <laughs> pulling up trees? Pulling up trees. Yeah. <laughs> but daisies yeah, is easy. Trees, but trees for is some hard. reason, when they play for England, they've got the passion. They play with each other. They're in a coaching system that's warm and welcoming. And and I and I would even say that from a a media perspective and from a public perspective. When Lingard and Rashford play for Manchester United, it is with a cloud. Yeah. When they play for England, there is this acceptance that they're the youth and they're trying and as long as they do their best and do us proud, that's all they need to do. And we're seeing that across the whole team. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I disagree with you slightly in the fact that I think a lot of them are younger players and you'd say that maybe as they progress in their career, they have potential to become those star players like Rashford, like Sancho. I mean, you know, there's talk at the moment of Rashford going to Real Madrid. Like yeah. He's got, you know, I think we've got a few young players coming through who have all the ability in the world. I mean, you know, we're not even talking about Phil Foden, who I think is has the same talent level as Sancho. But I think when, to, I hate to give you credit, but <laughs> when Gareth came in, one of the things that you had confidence in was because of his involvement in the setup. Yeah, and the, and coaching the under twenty ones, that that would help. He could bring that continuity through and try and bring some of those players mm. through. And for a long time, our frustration has been that disconnect between England having good youngsters. They all lose their way in the Premier League, and then it comes to the England team, and you know we can't find a team. Yeah. So I think I don't think you can underestimate the importance of that and in how that's helped create an atmosphere. But in November. Uh, in Nations League England had the youngest squad in the Nations League yeah wow average age of 24 days 24 years 203 days 24 days (laughs) I am tired Uh, 24 you know only 24 years old yeah Um, so I I don't see any reason why we can't keep improving and I saw a thing from uh, I was just sort of, I suppose I was going back to when Southgate was appointed and looking at some of the stuff then and what was written and uh, I was reading about Greg Dyke yeah. the uh, FA yeah. chairman at the time and he in 2013 he came out and said <clears throat> that the FA's target was to reach the semi-finals of Euro 2020 yeah. and to win the World Cup in Qatar yeah. now at the time I thought that was a complete joke and like typical of 
old England arrogance and, you know, thinking we're better than we are. But, I mean, I I actually I now, th- I think that's, that's real and not just because I always get excited when it comes to a big tournament and think there's a chance England might do it and football's coming home. I actually genuinely think we might have some structures in place and a team and a manager that could do something. Well, that, I think that's the thing that Southgate's <coughs> created. There, it's like Club England. There is a foundation to it and you can see the progression. Like Jaden Sancho played in that under-17 World Cup winning team and now he's playing for the first team and... There'll be others that will follow. Reese Nelson will come. Phil Foden will come. Um, what's the other guy? Gibbs White, who I mentioned last week. He'll come through. They all played in that under-17s team. And they can see a path through now. And they're also... Southgate has created a club atmosphere that means that when someone comes in, it's not like, oh, this guy's taken my place or whatever. It's encouraging you to come through. Um, and also... No, you go, Jeff. Uh, the under-21s under won 4-0, didn't they, at the weekend? Yeah. And the... Undefeated um, in um, like 22 now because they just beat Italy in Italy as well 2-1 and uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin scored two and Dominic Solanke scored Mm. and um, they're players who just like some other players in this senior squad have played together since they're under 15s under 17s under 21s and, and Southgate will even if you're not playing for your club he will blood you into the senior side because you have had that England upbringing. You've been yeah. part of that group of players and it will be no surprise if your player like Jaden Sancho or or um, Jordan Pickford or John Stones who've been part of those the whole time, if someone like um, Dominic Solanke pops up in the England squad, great, you're mates. Yeah. You've been mates for 10 years. Yeah. So it's, it's not going to be like, oh, who's this bloke? Is he stealing someone's place? There's no arrogance about it. It's going, oh, great, finally. Like, you've graduated from... From primary school, and you come up to, to upper school with me. That's really good. And they will play Solanke over a Glenn Murray, who's 35 and scored a lot of goals in the Premier League and doing great, and all respect to Glenn Murray. But if you had a Sam Allardyce in charge, or someone who was Pat Fabio Capello, probably who's just like, I just want experience, they would have gone, Oh, we'll bring in the 35 year old, he'll get us a goal this next six months, rather than going, You know what, there's a 20 year old who doesn't get a game for Liverpool. But he's playing well for the under-21s. He's done it for me at English level. And we'll put him in and he'll know the system. He'll play well. And it works. And the proof is in Loftus-Cheek. Loftus-Cheek epitomises exactly that. He's not playing club football. Obviously, he he had an amazing season last year with with Crystal Palace. He's not really playing like he scored a hat-trick in the Europa League, whatever it was. But that's it. And yet, Southgate trusts him so much because he knew him through the youth ranks of England and he goes, this player is top quality. Yeah. So whether he gets a game for his club, it's almost arbitrary because he's part of that England. So when I said it's a parallel universe, it feels a bit like it. It's like they've got an England career yeah. that they've been blooded into as young players. And as long as they don't fall off the wagon in their club career, they stay fit, they, they stay at the top level, they have their experiences they will develop in their parallel universe. And England, as a side, will grow up together and develop in the same way. And there are players like James Madison, who are yet to come in, yeah. who are going to change the game. I think also what it's creating is an atmosphere of young players wanting to play for England and wanting to get game time at club level. So you're going to have more people like Jaden Sancho, Reese Nelson, go to Germany or go wherever. Because what is the point if you're sat at a club and you're just sat there rotting away? People are going to go, you know what? I want to play for England. And they could win the World Cup in 2022. And I have a chance to be part of that. Or I could stagnate at a club. And but people I, I, are going to push I, for it. I, I think we lost that for a long time. Where mm. it became like the Premier League was the, the, pinnacle. You know, the pinnacle. And then England was almost a bit of a chore. Um, whereas I think, and I think a lot of credit for that goes to, to Southgate for getting that back. But while you're on your pari- parallel universe um, slant, when you think of a country who's done this very well in terms of integrating a system, a way of playing, having youth players coming through, Germany, the one that immediately springs to mind is Germany. Now, the other thing that Germany have done as well as do that is have a hell of a lot of success. So when I see England doing it, and we've we've been crying out for that for so long, and this is almost the first time it's happened. I, I think it's great, and I mean, I even since the World Cup, at the start of the World Cup, we looked at our squad, and the reason we weren't, well, you and me weren't overly optimistic, Mm. um, was because we didn't think on paper we had a particularly good team, or more than that, our squad. Yeah, you know, we could probably put eleven players. Whereas now I look at it. 
and I look at that team that started against Croatia and I look at the way they played and I look at the players that weren't playing so for instance you had Kyle Walker playing right back yeah um, you still got Trent Alexander-Arnold still got Trent Alexander-Arnold who scored his first goal against the US and looked brilliant yeah. you still got Kieran Trippier yeah. who I think for the last two years has potentially been the best right back in the league yeah. um, you've got Joe Gomez and John Stones playing brilliantly together at centre back and that's potentially 10 years and they're only going to get better. And yet Slabed was one of the best defenders yeah. at the World Cup. So I think all of a sudden, particularly with some of these younger players coming through, and if they continue to improve, we've got a squad. The one thing we have to be weary of is what's happened to Germany right now, which is yeah. they have they did that, and they invested in that, and that was their strategy. Then they stuck with these players through their golden era, yeah. when they were 27, 28, 29, and now they've been relegated. But yes. they've only they, but they've been relegated. They've had they, one bad tournament. But and what they got relegated in the Nations League. But what they've done is they've stayed with the players who went through that transition. So in ten years' time, if we're still sitting here talking about Dominic Calvert Lewin and Dominic Solanke and Jane Sancho, then England have missed a trick because yeah. what's done it is breeding in those generations and keeping it young and keeping it flowing, and then leaning on the experience to come in and do a good job. I just want to highlight three performances that I think have gone under the radar. Yeah. Um, even though there's been a lot of England publicity this yeah. week, I think Fabian Delph, so good, was brilliant. I watched yeah. the whole game. I watched the 30 minutes highlights, then watched the whole full 90 afterwards because it was so good. And he was brilliant. He was everywhere. Do, does that vindicate Pep? Because, like he, although he hasn't been playing that much for Man City, and when he plays them, he largely plays at left back. I think you know Guardiola's philosophy is more about if a player's good enough and I can coach them to be better, then they can kind of play anywhere. anywhere. And yeah. you know, often his fullbacks play in midfield, and he came in against um, Croatia and played in midfield. It ran right, it was brilliant. He, yeah. he, he really did. In, in fact, you know, I'm gonna lay. Yes, it's. I mean, Pep. Yeah. Great. Thank you for turning Fabian Delph into, <laughs> into the footballer I saw. But Fabian Delph himself, he did something that lots of players fail at so he went to a team like Manchester City when he was top of his game for a worse club and you look at the Jack Rodwells of this world who do exactly the same thing and fail miserably and disappear into mediocrity and this was at a time when Manchester City were buying every foreign superstar under the sun and they needed an English quota so they bought the best of the bunch and I remember when Fabian Delph was player of the championship for Leeds United and he was he was absolutely brilliant that year. And I remember thinking, oh, this kid's going places. But then when he signed for Man City, just disappeared. Yeah. Absolutely disappeared. And I think the fact that now we're looking at Fabian Delph, England captain, who deserved every minute he had on that pitch because the way he, he changed pace from slow to quick, the way he sheltered the ball and, and switched it from side to side in centre midfield, it was absolutely wonderful to watch. There's he, um, one pass in particular when he, he pinged... Yeah, he, he, he was on his wrong foot, I think, yeah. as well. And um, but I mean, I, it sort of raised the question for me. Maybe he should have been playing that role in um, the World Cup because perhaps yeah, could... possibly. But if, if you've watched the um, Man City documentary, he in he's in the obviously in it, and in the change room, he's always one of the loudest voices. He's obviously a leader, and he also, he's not playing in a lot of those games. But he's always like, "Come on, boys, we've got to do this," and he's always one of the guys that's really talked. So he's obviously a leader. If I was any other club in the league that's not Man City, I would just go and give £30 million to Man City now and go, I'll take your sub and I want him in my team. And you now. want him centre of the centre bill, put him centre back. Um, the, other, the other two I want to talk about, and, and I, you're going to you're gonna cringe because there is, you know, I always look out for players that I've had an association with, but I think that Stones is attacking play was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. He almost, as England attacked with four players and then lost the ball and it came back to John Stones, John Stones would walk forward yeah. and then pick out a through ball that split a defence against straight to the striker. And what a what yeah. a trip, what a tool that is to have yeah. as a centre-back. Centre-back's not passing it to a, to a quarterback. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're actually going, okay, well, I'm going to take the ball on my own. I've got a little adventure. See what I can pick out, then run back and do my job. That's also the advantage of having Dyer in the middle of the park because if Stones just keeps going, Dyer just drops in. He's played centre-back, yeah. so it's not a problem. It's brilliant. It was brilliant to watch. And the last one is 
there is no question. And before the World Cup, we sat here and we debated for half an hour who England's best goalkeeper was. There is no question that Jordan Pickford adds more to that England team than any other goalkeeper at the moment. Yeah. Oh, he's and he, the fact he's, he's he very can, important. He can that. distribute it so well makes a huge difference. The pass he, he played up to. Um, Ah, to um, Harry Kane to Harry Kane yeah. where it was just the transition he just got the ball the trans- and he just pelted it yeah. and if you see the replay it was a side foot volley that curled into yeah. the run of Harry Kane You're like that is unbelievable work so to have that as an outlet and to highlight two de- two defensive players so to have that as your goalkeeper and your centre back is the reason why England can transition like that they don't have to build like Spain they can punt the ball up and it's not Sam Allardyce pumped the ball up. No, it's, it's just a quick transition. But we, we, exactly right. we talked about Stones offline last week, and I, I loved him at the World Cup. He was one of my favourite players at the World Cup, and I just thought he came of age, and he showed how good a defender he was, as well as the fact we know he can do all the flair stuff, and he's a brilliant passer. I mean, we talked about him offline last week, yeah. um, having the highest pass completion rate in the Premier League of any yeah. player. He does not play easy passes. No, he plays so, forward passes and yeah. tries to pick up. I, I, I think John Stones could be anything. The, the other one is Harry Kane, yeah. in that scored an important goal again. Yeah. 20 goals in 35 caps, which at international level is, is very, very good. But did you hear that he was also, we're talking about leaders as well, when we got the equaliser, he was sort of going round to players getting them to stay calm. Yeah, he was like, um, don't get too excited. Don't just keep s- doing what we're, we're doing. We've got this. You can this. see him like, doing we've, it, yeah. we've, got, we've got this. We've got it in the bag. We've yeah. got a winner. And to see a belief like that in England and not just a panic and not knowing what to do, I, I just... It's bizarre to see because for most of my life, when it gets to that point, what we see is basically blind panic. Right, can we, I, we, we've got to move on. Yeah, from the, the last, can I just have one last <laughs> England, England comment, yeah. which is back to the USA game. Yeah, didn't Wayne Rooney look good? Yeah, he did. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> I know it was. It was basically the Tim yeah. Cahill five yeah. minutes, but. Yeah. You know, the difference between Kim Cale coming on for the last five minutes against Australia and looking like he's yeah. a plank of wood who's yeah. about to fall over. Really Wayne still. Rooney was still gone. But I think it shows how good he was. And I, and I, I suppose we can say it as a, as a closing note because Rooney's now moved on. But I'm really glad what has happened has happened in that he's gone to the States, yeah. reminded everyone how good of a player he is. And I love the England send off. Yeah, the, the, hate, the haters can fuck off. Like yeah. I, I like you said, Jeff. Like you've got one life, and that brought a lot of people a lot of joy. Yeah. And there was, um, and is anyone you know, he was about crying, it now? He was crying no. in the in the changing room at the end of the game. It clearly yeah. meant a lot to him. It meant a lot to the fans. He got a great send off. Like what? What was bad about that? Like all this. But I just, yeah, I think you know, it's, it was also it's nice to see that. We remember how good Rooney is, but at the same time, it is the most enthusiastic I have been about England. And normally, I, you know, we don't want to talk about England for this amount of time. And I've heard lots about England, yeah. but I still wanted to talk about them yeah. because I'm feeling so positive, and it's, it's so ridiculous. unusual. Um, thinking on the positive note, England beat Croatia in the UEFA Nations League. The Nations League. Well, Jeff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do a little word well now that everyone Still knows. got it. Um, the Nations League is good. Like, is, is the general consensus this is a good thing for football? Well... Oh, come on. No, no, Let me start. I've got two positives to start, okay? One, what? it's way better than friendlies. Yes. Way, 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 way better than friendlies. Two, I love the fact that in all these games I've watched, players care. Yes. Like and it's that's what you want to see when you watch football. You know, like the Croatian players at the end of the England game looked distraught and they yeah. were you know, absolutely knackers. And I mean as much as anything, I think that will lead to a better standard of football across the board for all teams because it means something. Yeah. My only concern with it is that's great now, but what does it actually mean? What is the nations that because I think when you sort of start to peel it back a bit and at the moment it's great but what do you actually get at the end of it? And my worry is, you know, maybe in a few years' time or or when this has run its course a couple of times, does it lose its value because then we actually figure out that if you win the Nations League, it doesn't really mean anything. If you get relegated, it doesn't really mean anything because everyone still qualifies. 
And so what is what is it I actually I don't think mean? that even matters because as long as it means that friend the boring friendlies are gone, are gone and then if we have to evolve the competition a bit because it's stale in 10 years time fine just do that. Can but it just replace qualifying though? Do we, we need both? We evolve the Euros, we evolve the World Cup all yeah. the time. True. And and if there is no way that in the European Championships if England were to play Spain and play Croatia that, that just doesn't happen you, you don't get that cal- I mean England lose against Iceland but you don't get that calibre of competitive football match like, so the Nations League is actually throwing up ties that are more intense they're two-legged yeah. so that it's better to watch than the Euros I'm not saying it's a better competition what I'm, what I'm saying is you're watching competitive football at its peak for no matter who you support if you're Scotland you're loving the Nations League right yeah. now that was a really exciting game of football this morning for the Scots yeah. Yeah. and and it's at every level of the Nations League it's exactly the same we might in 10 years time look back and go oh well the Nations League happens every four years over two years it's completely pointless who cares but we will have had 10 years worth of competitive football and it's not going to happen like that I, I think the fact that the groups change so the fact that Germany have been relegated and there's a chance that Scotland have been promoted and they're going to be in the same group <laughs> means I'm really interested to see what happens yeah. well, with that, love that Yeah, I mean, but can it just replace qualifying now because I don't. Mm. The only thing I'd say is, do you need both? Do you need that and a qualifying campaign? In the long run, it could replace it, but they, they obviously have just tried it out. And like six months ago, I was like, I sat here going, I have this printout of twelve pages yeah. from UEFA. I don't know what this is. I've tried to read it twice. I don't understand it. I tried to explain it, and I didn't get it. And I was like, this is stupid. I even wrote in the running order for last week, International Week next week. Who gives a shit? And I'm sat here a week later going, this is the greatest thing of all time. Like, So it changes week by week. But I think the Nations League has happened. The fact that we've got to the final stage now where there's people getting promoted, people getting relegated, and we're seeing that, it's exciting. And people are going, oh, you know what? I've got this. This is awesome. Why wouldn't you want to watch two international teams that are evenly matched, play a game of football that they care about with something at the end that they both want to get to? Yeah. But also and- not too much at the end that they're not scared to lose. Yeah. yeah. So that I think that was a big thing about it. In in um if you've got a World Cup <coughs> final and you have Spain against Croatia and one of you goes out at the end of it, it often ends up being nil nil one or we go to penalties because you don't lose, don't lose. Whereas they were just like, no, we're just going to go for it. And because it's a league scenario, oh getting a point's good and all Maybe those. you're right, maybe it's the best part of friendlies without the crap that goes with it yeah, yeah. it's the best it's, thing UEFA have done full stop ever I, I mean I, I just you just look at the fans and you look at the players and that's all you need to do to know if mm. it's a success because you know it's the best atmosphere I've seen at Wembley for a game for ever. you know I, I don't know how long and you look at uh, you know the Holland and Germany game for instance and the Dutch mm had that you know come back in the last 10 minutes and you saw uh, Virgil van Dijk got that goal near the end and you saw how much it meant to him yeah. and those Dutch players and I'm like that. that's what he wanted that's why you watch football the whole point. Yeah. that game Germany were 2-0 up and, and looking great it meant that France would have qualified from that group and Holland had to draw and they scored in the 85th and 90th minute van Dijk and that means they come top so it means that Holland are through Switzerland are through Portugal are through and England are through so in next summer, Europe time, so 2019 summer, will be the playoffs between those four, and there'll be semi-finals, final, and a third and fourth place playoff. And it takes place in Portugal. Now, the only reason it takes place in Portugal, which is a bit weird, is Portugal, Italy, and Poland all bidded to host yeah. it, and they're all in the same group. So they said whoever wins a group gets it, and Portugal now, won. You, no matter what you think about the Nations League, you tell me that that four-person, two semi-finals, final competition will not be an exciting thing to watch next summer. I can't wait. Yeah. There is there are there is no international football next summer. There yeah. are friendlies. Yeah. Now there's a fucking Nations yeah. League final. <laughs> yeah, That's amazing. Trev's gonna have a great time in Portugal. Did did you? Uh, well, yeah. And the, the, all everyone's come out this week and said that now Portugal will be regretting. Uh, winning it because they'll be inundated with um, English sweaty people. pink English people um, <laughs> a couple of months after Brexit as couple. well but um, the did you super see the Switzerland yeah so Switzerland comeback? played Belgium and uh, Belgium went 2-0 up and Switzerland needed to win this game Belgium could if they won they won the group Yeah. or if they drew they won the group if Switzerland won by two goals they won the group and they went 2-0 down in the first 20 minutes to to is it Thorgan Hazard? Thorgan Hazard. Torgen. Yeah. Torgen. Or Eden Hazard's brother. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> the, 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 the crap Hazard. 
Although they scored two goals for Belgium, so you can't be that bad. And then Switzerland come back and win 5-2. It was amazing. Did you watch, I said to both of you, you should watch it, did you watch Shakiri's involvement in the last two Belgium, uh, Switzerland goals? I saw his, like, he did like a header set-up. I saw his assist with the header. No, it wasn't a header. He did um, the first, uh, so it was their fourth goal. Yeah. Um, it was a, he took the corner, the ball comes back out, really high in the air, looping, absolutely kills it with his touch but knocks it out of his foot at the same time and then pings in one of those crosses that you just can't do anything cannot about. defend yeah. so good like just so two touches but just brilliant brilliant and then on the fifth goal he's over by the corner flag and there's two defenders coming towards him and he does one of those little um uh like drag backs behind the leg and then sort of um you know like a a side back heel to the guy running through yeah. across it and scored. Like, yeah. I, I think he may be improving as a footballer under Klopp and being more of a playmaker. Now, I've, I've got a few Shakiri stats from that game that really blew my mind. 87% passing accuracy, so that's 39 out of 45 he got right. 73 touches, four chances created, which is the most on the pitch that day, two assists, six out of six dribbles successful, two interceptions... And the bloke looks like the fucking Incredible Hulk. <laughs> he does. He really <laughs> does. He's a barrel. But I, I, it's I mean, outrageous. I, I think Liverpool deserve a lot of credit for that because I, I think he he is improving. Perhaps yeah. and he's showing that he can play centrally as well as you know just being a flair player out wide. And, and he's also like he's twenty six now, so he's young enough to have a lot of football ahead of him. But he's old enough to go. Oh, do I want to play at Stoke for the rest of my life? Like, I've got all the talent in the world, or I could go and play in the Champions League and stuff. So, I think he's at the perfect time gone to a team where Liverpool and Klopp will give him a bit of discipline. He'll get fitter and fitter, and he will just get better and better. Like, yeah, I, that result really surprised me, but I thought he looked he looked brilliant. Um, has anyone got any other Nations League stuff they want to talk about before we move on to other stuff and things? Other than England, they're going to win. No. <laughs> what was that, Rog? State loudly. Uh, other than England are going to win. You're really tired, aren't you? Win everything. Got, oh, yeah. England are going to win. <laughs> um, Rog, Jeff, what other stuff and things would you like to talk about? Yeah, so I, um, I've been doing a bit of investigative journalism this week. Wow. And I wanted to talk about a journalist in the UK called Carl Long. Not Carl Jung. Not Carl Jung? No. Have you heard about Carl Long? No. No. So, Carl Long writes for The Sun. Now, I want to read you a, a few Can of I the... Can I judge him now? Yeah, I'm judging him already. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. Rightly so. So, a few of the articles written by Carl Long. Will Greg banned from eating pie made in his honour? <laughs> I'll keep going. Gabby Agbonglahor admits he would return to Aston Villa and is willing to play for free. Now, Carl Long this week was the person who broke the story about Raheem Sterling and Mesut Ozil going to Real Madrid. Did you yeah, see that? No, I haven't seen that. For a 90 million swoop, both those players going to Real Madrid. Now, Carl Long is also a person who wrote the editorial about Raheem Sterling after. Remember the Champions League game a few weeks back where he tripped over his own leg and got a penalty? Yes. Now, a few highlights from that article were zero sportsmanship and cheat storm. For Raheem Sterling. It was a derogatory piece. Now what's come to light over the last few days is that Carl Long doesn't exist. Wow. Carl Long is not a journalist. Carl Long is a name that the Sun give to articles that are written by others who don't necessarily want to put their name to pieces of work. <laughs> Wowzers. So it's basically just a voice crap. for them to push their crap and so. their slightly racist angles on things you've summed it up very well John so Alex Shaw who writes for ESPN when he was a student he wrote a piece for the Sun and he was instructed that he had to sign off Carl Long or else it wouldn't get printed Um, Paul O'Keefe had exactly the same experience who's another footballing journalist um so it's come out that The Sun are publishing stories that are phantom stories, that are stories that they want to... They have an objective. Yes. No one is willing to, to claim that objective, which means that they put a pseudonym on it, they publish it, they create waves, and no one is liable. Is that a yeah, that, yeah, I was going to say, surely there's... Well, 
There's some grey, shades of grey in there, definitely. I, you know, I'm not sure if you know me, but I'm not a lawyer. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> however, the, it, what surprises me is that I have um, managed to do a bit of research and find a few stories, find yeah. a few headlines, read it through and work out. Now, I've, I was put onto this. However, why is this not one of the biggest outrages that we know? Why are you hearing it for the first time through me? Is it because everyone does it? Like I don't Maybe know, they do. but that, but I I might because the journalistic world will back itself and also eat itself depending on the scenario. And if the scenario is going to hurt itself, it won't eat itself. <laughs> interesting, interesting point. And, and I I shuddered a little bit before when Rod, you were talking about Rashford going to Real Madrid. Because you, you just, you know, arbitrarily in a conversation about Rashford, said, oh, the news is, you know, he's being scouted by Real Madrid. And then how many times have we spoken about Raheem Sterling and the way he's perceived by the media and the way he's perceived by the people? Yeah. Now, I've just read out uh, Raheem, a, a very derogatory piece by a, a very mainstream media outlet yeah. written by no one, which means written by an editorial concept hmm. that is derogatory against a human. So that's an agenda. Yeah. Now you've just reeled off. A, I'm looking at Rod right now. You've just reeled off a, an example of a of a inflated transfer speculation, whatever. Now the thing is, it's not the original news that makes it interesting. It's when that's picked up. It was, well, it was, I read it on the BBC, which you know is which is uh, which is the gossip. Con- so so yeah. let's say that you listen to the football shed. So there's people listening yeah. right now, and they they heard. I'm not having a go at you, Rog, because I think it's just a really interesting yeah. feedback loop. If if you listen to this and and you heard you say that Rashford might go to Real Madrid for sixty million, you might think, oh, there's you know, I'm going to look out for that. All you need is that is that reinforced by a source. All you need is to then have someone share Carl Long. Carl Long article that says Rashford's going to go to Real Madrid and suddenly the momentum builds my biggest problem with this is less so on um, transfer rumours as such and this is going to kind of create a story it's that the newspaper can have an agenda against a person or a race or a demographic or whatever and then they can decide that they can be derogatory Raheem Sterling has a lot of problems with this and there's a lot of issues around um, like his tattoo with his gun and when he goes to Primark everyone calls him cheap and then when he goes and buys a Rolls Royce everyone says he's flashing the cash everywhere but, and everyone gives him a bad time and if their paper has an agenda against someone and also their paper as a wider context has particular political views then they can use a non-person to force those home to people who are going to read but your, then your they're always going to do that anyway, though, right? We know the Murdoch press has an agenda, and you know, so any anybody that is intelligent enough to read more than just the Murdoch press understands that there's very little media in the world now no, that but, is purely but, objective. But this is how it happens. So, the derogatory comments written about Raheem Sterling by no one, no. by an agenda, mm-hmm. can be replicated and, feed, and, and fed back. So when when the thing happened with Raheem Sterling having the gun tattoo and yeah. you know the rhetoric that you were hearing is questioning why everyone was so against Raheem Sterling mm. now I wasn't hearing many people against Raheem Sterling no. I was hearing lots of questioning of why people were against Raheem Sterling which which gave me the indication that there were a bunch of people against Raheem Sterling yeah. because they're discussing that so John exactly what you said the power that a phantom human can have on the back page to create a rhetoric, to create a discussion, which is essentially building in and, and implanting this information about a human being who we watch play, play sport, it's an absolute disgrace. And it means Raheem Sterling can't sue anyone because there's no one. Because it's not real. Yeah. The Sun can sack him. Yeah, we've sacked him. He doesn't write for us anymore. And then but, but Chris Long comes, his brother. We're seeing this across the world, though, as well. Like without wanting to get too off topic, like it's exactly what. Um, you know, whatever you want to call it, the the alt right, neoliberal movement, populists agenda, whatever, Trump. Yeah. By telling lies, and then reinforcing lies, it the lie get, becomes true. It, the lie becomes true, and you don't actually need the truth anymore because if enough people, you know, reinforce it and relay it and talk about it, 
it becomes the truth. Now, yeah. that, I mean, that just that just scares the shit out of me. And that is where the media is so important because and we're seeing, you know, that's one of the big things in the US at the moment is that, you know, Trump is gagging certain sections of the press that he that he doesn't like, that he doesn't doesn't agree with, um, and it, you know, that we whether it's government or whether it's us as people that buy the media and listen to it, we there is an obligation there to ensure that our media can, to an extent, remain impartial to a degree. Mm. There's always... But to be able to know what is real and what is an opinion piece in the media and what is based on, you know, a researched article based on fact. Yeah. Because otherwise you just don't know. You just have no idea. Yeah, well, you just don't well, know what Well, what saying. will be interesting is to see whether in the next week or so this story blows up. Yeah. Because if I can find it, other people can find it. Yeah. And if I'm outraged by it, other people are outraged by it. Is this a new, it. has it just come? Like, today, today is yeah. when I went down the rabbit hole. Yeah. And if we don't see anything about this in the next week that probably tells us just as much as the fact that this is happening yeah. right now in the biggest football paper in the UK can you remember to bring this up next week I'd love to yeah, yeah we'll try and bring it up um, has anyone else got any other stuff and things they want to talk about Rog you wanted to talk about rock paper scissors I think <laughs> oh yeah I've got some some highbrow side stories yes. uh, so I, I you know we were giving I was giving the FA I suppose yeah. some credit before with um England and their plan but uh, there was an incident this week um, in the WSL uh, Super League League. Uh, Dave McNamara um, referee uh, was starting the game and usually that's done with a coin toss Uh, he forgot his coin he left it in the changing room now I think rather ingeniously he decided to use rock paper scissors yeah. to start the game. Yeah, which I think is fine. Yeah, I yeah. like what a yeah. great idea. Like rather than just standing there looking like a dickhead, he came up with an yeah. idea on the spot. Uh, and 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 you know who cares? Yeah. Um, now he the FA came out and have banned him for three weeks. Yeah. yeah. So not three matches. It's three it's weeks. Three yeah. weeks. So that could be several matches. You know, if you applied the same. If there's like midweek games and stuff. Yeah, which I just think is completely draconian. The other, I think the other thing that's important to remember is that referees have certain items of kit that they have to have as part of the laws of football when they step onto a pitch. Yeah. So one of them is a pencil, yeah. one of them is a notepad. Um and their and their cards. Yeah. Um so those are and a whistle. Those yeah. are like the you know you the have things to they have, have to have. A coin is not specified in no. the refereeing rule book that you have to have that. And yet they still banned him for three weeks. Um This now, one I like I I Why you, you support the ban? No, no, I don't, but I, I'm split two ways on this. So that it's it's in the women's super league and there is a lot of drive to champion the women's game at the moment in the UK um, and the women's game in here in Australia is far better than the men's game um, <laughs> it's true it's brilliant yeah and, best um, player in the world plays here Sam Kerr and, uh, and which is great and a lot it, it, it's tricky in a male dominated sport where the women's game is trying to get a bit of a foothold and then this scenario happens and a lot of what came out was that people were thinking that they're making a joke of the women's game by just going, oh, we'll do rock, paper, scissors. And how this gets viewed from outside is like, oh, it's only the women's game, we'll just do rock, paper, scissors. And what would happen in a Premier League game? Now, I don't know what would happen in a Premier League game. Probably someone would run out with a coin, wouldn't they? There would be someone probably run out with a coin or whatever and stuff. So I can understand the game getting upset about the scenario because they're trying to be professional and do this properly and there's TV money behind it. And then if there's a guy doing rock, paper, scissors in the middle, does it make a mockery of the game? Are you bringing the game into disrepute? Now, I don't know if I agree with that, but I can see why they have got upset and they want to make a point of going we're doing this properly we're doing this by the rules the rules are bring a coin yeah, like, like, I mean I, so I, I hadn't seen, thought about that at all so that's a really interesting uh, that's why I'm a bit yeah, I, torn I, I take your point I, I, I still think it's massively over the top and yeah. I mean I think you can take these things too seriously I, and, I, and I, I like that there's a protest and there's going to be um, 
this weekend, yeah. everyone's going to do rock, paper, yeah, scissors. Yeah, other refs are doing rock, paper, yeah. scissors. And my problem with it is rock, paper, scissors isn't fair. Well, yeah, and you have to be clear on the rules. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> rock, paper, scissors is a, is a game that you can be better at or worse at yeah. if you're good at rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> Although it no, is no, just the end of a no, game. No, don't laugh at that. You can be good at rock, paper, but at the scissors. But at the end of the game... I would beat you two out of three times at rock, paper, scissors. We're talking about the kickoff to a game. Yeah, yeah. well, okay. However, the whole point of a coin toss is it's Completely. as random as you get without using technology. Yeah. Rock, paper, scissors is not. If someone said to me, well, rock, paper, scissors, I'd be like, great. Yeah. I'm not some... saying I'm great at it, but I'm saying that I feel like rock, paper, scissors is a game you can get better at. I am... Um listening to a rival podcast this week and they were talking about a guy in the Scandinavian league who was a referee and he was renowned for forgetting stuff so forget his whistle forget <laughs> his cards or whatever and he always forget the coin but he always did rock paper scissors he was like oh I forgot my coin so he'd always do rock paper scissors and, and these days what does it really matter what end you shoot at you're going to have 45 yeah. minutes at each end anyway so chill over. out so yeah. I don't think the bloke should be banned I actually think it was quite quite clever um, and if anything at the end of it, it will bring more attention to the women's game. Like the yeah. whole kind of, it will actually make people go, oh, I'm going to watch it this week to see if they do rock, paper, scissors. So it actually brings all publicity is good publicity. Um, has anyone else got any other um, stuff and things? Yeah, the last thing that yeah. made me smile this week uh, was, it, yeah, it's, it's a long story. I'm not going to go into the, to most of it, but the football leaks. You've seen the football leaks yeah, talking yeah. about the... The, so five Premier League clubs this week have been are now being investigated for signing underage players, and there's, there's yes. football leagues that are going all over the place. Did you see the news about Kante? No, no. So, <laughs> as in Angola Kante. Angola Kante. So he is literally the only player that I could ever imagine that would come out of football leagues looking better than he did going into football leagues. This is awesome. <laughs> so there is uh, leaked emails where. Chelsea offered N'Golo Kante the opportunity to get paid his image rights in an offshore bank account, offshore shell company in the Cayman Islands. Just like Ronaldo and Messi and everyone else who's just being fucked over by the police in Spain. N'Golo Kante wrote back saying, no thank you, I'd like to be paid like a normal person. (laughs) He's the best. What a champ. (laughs) Do you know he's still... And he even said, because I'd like to pay my tax. It's so good. So he, he's the best. And there's, <laughs> these emails were leaked. Like you can yeah. read the emails of, of of Chelsea saying, "This is how we set up image rights. We pay you from the Cayman Islands like everyone else." Yeah. And he goes, "No, thank you." Verbatim, can you please pay me like a normal person? <laughs> so good. He um still drives to uh, training in his mini. He has a mini. Like, ah, it's yeah. perfect. I just think it's so wonderful that someone could come out of that looking better than they did when they yeah. went into it. Um, we should quickly look at next week's Premier League because the Premier League is back like we got all gooey eyed about international football yeah it seems like a long time I can't even remember what happens in the Premier League anymore but let's have a quick look at the games (laughs) before we go on to end feature Um, Man City are going to win yes yeah Yeah, you're right Rog Man City will win probably 4-0 against West Ham a couple of cutbacks Um, (laughs) (laughs) one one spadge in the top corner Uh, Bernardo Silva's injured though isn't he that's good yes when I say that's good, I mean not for him, but for. Do you know? I read an interesting set about Bernardo Silva this week. There's been some stats. Published oh, there was. In the, the yeah, the, did you see that? The, yeah, can, uh, I can't remember the stat. Uh, well, he has um, more. No, I can't. Uh, he's. <laughs> oh, he has the in terms of players that have run the most during games. Yeah. So. If I, if I asked distance covered, I could ask you that question. I think you'd both know the answer. And go to Kante. Yeah. But the player that has had the th- three games high, where they've run the most. Yeah, okay. Um, so the highest amount of Ks covered in a single game, all three are Bernardo Silva. Wowzers. That's, That's incredible. Now, he isn't the kind of player that you would necessarily think of as doing those yeah. things but I, I mean I, I, he's had a great season so far um, what games are you looking out for Jeffa? Um okay I can't believe I'm going to say it talk to them about this first when <laughs> we talk about next week's Premier League but Southampton Fulham no I, I think that's a big game Fulham because we've, we've forgotten about it like that you know that happened and then there's been international break Ranieri is now coach of Fulham Tinkerman's back I've got to say great time to replace your manager because you got an international break where you're managing a team that not everyone's off on internationals wasn't it typical that on last week's shed we said 
he shouldn't be sacked and tomorrow we're probably <laughs> going to wake up, check the BBC and he would have got the sack and he doesn't deserve it. And he was sacked in the morning. The next day we woke up, checked the BBC and Ranieri had the job. Do you know what I don't like about it is I, and you talk about a good time to replace the manager, I think that, and there's there's some gem, there's a general consensus that they were approaching other managers earlier on. Yeah, they like tried to get um, Wenger and game. someone else, I think. So, they, I mean, and, you know, I was one of the things I always talk about is, you know, was it a plan or was it just like a spur of the moment? I think this was obviously planned out. But I also hate the fact that it's a manager that has brought you up. Uh, I think he, it deserves more than that to me. 12 games deserves, is a short amount of time. It is. Yeah. Uh, particularly when you talked about it on last week's shed, you know they had a bad start to the year last year, and when you think of how many players they've brought in, you know you need time to bed that down. And a, a lot of the stuff I've listened to, Jeff, also backed you up in terms of essentially saying that the Liverpool game was their best, probably one of their best performances of the of the year. Yeah. So is that the right? But I think they'd already did, made a decision to sack him before that game. It wasn't about yeah. that game because if it was about that game they would have given him time. They lost 2-0 to Liverpool but they didn't look as we said the first Liverpool goal was so shonky wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. That, that shouldn't have happened. Yeah. And then they, they just switched off. They, they didn't deserve that. He didn't deserve that. So what's going to happen um, this week? I, I think that Southampton are going to win a game of football. Oh, really? Oh, I think Fulham. Yeah, are Fulham. Win. I think Fulham. I've got win. like yeah. new manager bounce all yeah. over it. Yeah, I, I just think that um, Southampton are awful. I just think Mark that, Hughes out. Mark Hughes oh, out. <laughs> like I'll be, I'll be the balance here. There is something about what happened that last game for Southampton when it drew one-one. Now I know that they. Do you remember this was the the Charlie Austin rant? Oh yes, so yes that was the yes. game I'm referring to. Oh, well, they did play well that game. They did play well, and they how they react to feeling hard done by will dictate their season. Yeah. That what happened? So the first time anyone is paying any attention to Southampton is, is that, and it's paying attention with respect from the whole football community. They would have watched Match of the Day, and they would have in, in the UK Match of the Day is the, the show that you. They would have watched Match of the Day, and they'd have seen the pundits talk about how Charlie Austin was probably right. They were probably robbed. They'd have they'd have read and all the me, media. Me and John disagreed. Well, no, it. on that decision, they were they were probably robbed. Uh, admittedly, in that game, there was another decision that was equally as poor. No, no, no. We, I don't think, I think the right decision was made. It doesn't matter. The media <laughs> and what you have experienced post that game is saying that Charlie Austin is probably right. Yeah. So whether your opinions differ or not, it's arbitrary to Charlie Austin because he probably doesn't listen to the shed. Yeah. Well, it um, might. Well, he's you know he's he's quite clever. Yeah. So, so what I'm saying is is that they having gone through that. It, this will be the point where they are either relegated this week or it it starts. Don't Their season un- starts. Don't underestimate Mark Hughes. He's crap. Southampton are going to lose. Yeah, I agree. Mark Hughes is awful. Um, the big game of the week is Spurs against Chelsea. Um, London derby. I think it's just a cracking game. I think. Do you know, like? I was thinking about this game earlier today. Um, the older I get, I hate teams less. And I just enjoy watching good football. Like I hate Chelsea. I've hated Chelsea for years and years and years. But but you were at Stamford Bridge two weeks ago. <laughs> I was at Stamford Bridge two weeks ago, and watching Sari's team play good football. God, it's just good watching good I, football. Do you know what? I completely agree with you again because <laughs> I yeah I've hated like I think the last time I liked Chelsea. Uh, was probably when they had either Zola or Viali up front. Uh, like when, when they and, and Frank Leboeuf was playing centre back. Like when they were first, you know, it was exotic to have a foreign yeah, player, yeah. and they were like one of the first, that bit of sprinkling. But before they became really flash with yeah. the brand, you know, and flush with the brand, which is money. I quite liked Chelsea then, but I haven't liked them for a long, for a long time. But you're right. I like, you know, they're. Their football's good to watch. I like the fact that we've talked about it. There's some England players playing for them yeah. and, and, and doing well. I, I enjoy watching Hazard because he's, he's he, sta- he stayed, at least for now, which I like, and he's playing very good football. Um, yeah, yeah, Tot- Tottenham, really Chelsea, like, Tottenham, again, a similar team. I think I love watching them play. I love their coach. Um, I just hope it's a... Goal fest, really. Four thirty in the morning's probably about what time I'll wake up because I'm shit at sleeping at the moment. <laughs> so I would like to watch that. Yeah, it's 
I, I think it's got good game written all over it. And I don't normally say that when top teams go up against each other. I normally look at it and I, you can see how they'll cancel each other out. But both of these teams will want to win that game and both will try. And I, I, I one of the things I'm most excited about in this is the resurgence of Ross Barkley. Yeah. He's become what we feared he might become <laughs> as his opponents and what we hoped he'd become as a fan. Like, yeah. like for, for an England perspective, what he's become is, is absolutely brilliant. And I think what he is in that Chelsea team, it's only getting better and better. And watching Ross Barkley play the way he is against players like Deli Alley and Harry Kane, it's going to be a brilliant game of football. Um, before we move on to end feature, any last games anyone's looking out for? Or should we go straight on to end feature? Can I just talk about a, a, a statistic I read about Huddersfield? So Huddersfield play Wolves this weekend. Yep. Um, Huddersfield have had the most crosses in the Premier League this year. Wow. But they're in the bottom three for headers on goal. Are they shit at crossing or shit at heading? Now, yeah, let's just put that in perspective. So their game plan is set up to to get the ball down the wings and cross it in. Yeah. And they are doing that more successfully than any other team in the Premier League. However, that is creating the within the top bottom three, top three, however you want to look at it, it's yeah. fewest chances from those opportunities. I'm going to blame the striker. I'm going to blame the striker. I would blame Do they have a striker? Moon, Moon, I'm pretty Moon, sure yeah. I, I well and didn't they buy another guy who I talked about at the start of the year and he was going to solve their goal scoring problems and he'd scored like three goals in 30 in <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right John I, I blame the, the striker because if you're going to get that much delivery then you need to be in the right spot yeah you should make space and get your head on it and if they're not clearing the first man someone else is taking the crosses yeah. like you, they're not going to be that poor you blame the striker or you blame the coach and the fact that you've set up in a certain way and you've bought a striker that doesn't like heading the ball like that's your own like if you buy Benteke if you're going to just cross the ball whereas if you look um, the same statistics they were talking about Cardiff now Cardiff I think were third in terms of the number of crosses that they've made but they're top in terms of chances created direct chances created from those crosses which makes sense because yeah. it's, it's a Neil Warnock team and the way he attacks box, is basically bloke. get it wide, get in the box to the big bloke. And it, it that I mean, to me, that shows that it works. But yeah, for Huddersfield, I mean, they either need to change their players or change the way that they're playing because it's not well, working. Well, so, uh, you know, I brought that up because I'm looking at the Wolves-Huddersfield game. Mm. Now, we've discussed the way Wolves play football for a fair few weeks and, and I respect the way Wolves play football yeah. and they they counter-attack in waves they don't counter-attack like Leicester I don't want to go over off ground they don't counter-attack like Leicester yeah. they counter-attack and then lay onto a runner and then continue the counter-attack I think there is a point where well firstly that game that Wolves plays is exposed by deep crosses yep. that's what happens when you counter-attack you leave space yeah. and if you're going to play down the wings that is where Huddersfield will get some joy the fact that they're not shooting from those crosses <laughs> is bad news for Huddersfield yeah. but there will be a point this season where it clicks because if you are creating the most chances from crosses you focus every single week in training on how the hell you get on the end of those balls because you see those stats before I do bloody doing a yeah. podcast you get that which means there will be a point where Huddersfield are far more dangerous than we give them credit for and I can't say it's going to be this week however I can say playing against Wolves Wolves play the type of football that if it's going to click it will click against a side that play with the strategy Wolves have I reckon yeah. they're a shout they've been we, we talked about them recently like Aaron Moyes fans in form and they've looked a lot better in the last few weeks so, so I, I give Huddersfield a chance do you know what I like also about Huddersfield there's no talk of um, Wagner the coach going like it's no. all just like where, well, but like you say it, like no, no, of course not. But why is it not the same for the Fulham guys? It's exactly only, right. It's yeah. only because they sent a chunk of money. But the Huddersf- like at Huddersfield, it's like, oh, great, just just don't worry about it. We, if we stay up, but they, they gonna... never. Yeah, I think the other. I think Fulham. I mean, they got up via the playoffs last year, but their aim was to get promoted back to the Premier League, and yeah. they invested to that Heavily. effect. Whereas I think Huddersfield, Huddersfield was locked out. Yeah, they never expected. So it's all an, it's like Burnley. It's all an adventure and yeah. you know, as long as they stay there, great. So um, the last thing I'll say on that is Huddersfield are paying eight dollars. Wow. Yeah. Well on that note I feel like we should definitely go to end feature. Have you got a have you got a song for us, Jeff? Yeah you ready? Yeah you go. Pretty good. Now, have you put your money where your mouth is? That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, I really fucked it up last week. Well, yeah, so on last week's, 
So first up, we need to talk about your bet, Jeff. So Jeff, you bet on Rooney to score, paying four dollars. Now that was fake news because Rooney to score was paying a dollar eighty something. However, you had bet on the wrong thing and actually bet Rooney to score first in a game where he had already said before, "I won't come on until <laughs> the second half. I'll be on for the last 15, 20 minutes." So that was the best fail ever. I had a good chuckle at that one. I must admit. <laughs> I bet on Spain and France to win because that's solid but the Nations League uh, proved me wrong and Spain lost to Croatia and France lost to Holland and Rog you bet on Belgium to win at plus 1.5 or something or Asian handicap that worked but then Wales screws you over Wales I forgot Wales are crap and then they lost to Albania this morning so mm. they really are crap I think we should just stop the end feature well no, <laughs> no, no, no so at the end currently as a collective, we spent $420. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. We've won $419. Ooh. So in theory... Ooh, I have let the team down here, haven't I? <laughs> in theory, we spent $1 for a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it's great. Okay. So uh, so as long as we pick up a bit, yeah. then... Yeah. I have won 1 in 12. Yeah, you need to do something. I have really... 14 now. I've 1 affect- in 14. <laughs> affected <laughs> that profit margin quite considerably. You're basically Huddersfield. So, how are you going to rectify that this week, Jeff? What's okay. I have got Everton at minus one. Everton are playing Cardiff at home. Uh, Richarlison scored for Brazil again this week. That's in his five games for Brazil. He's scored three times and got three assists. Richarlison is the right. man. Um, Everton's home, home record is very good. Everton's home record is excellent. Cardiff are horrible. If Everton don't win by two goals or more, everyone should just cry a yeah. small tear. Um, and I've also got, against my better judgment, Fulham to win a half against Southampton. Okay. Oh, I think that's a solid bet, Jeff. $5.25. Yeah, I, I, I actually genuinely hope you win this week, <laughs> <laughs> just for your sanity. <laughs> Uh, Raj, what have you got? Boringly, I've uh, it was rather rushed, but I've bet on exactly the same games as Jeff. But I've gone <laughs> oh, no. Everton to win and over two and a half goals against Cardiff. Yep. And I've gone Fulham to win against Southampton and over one and a half goals. And it's paying uh, $7.40. Wow, big guns. Have you got the same two games, I've got two completely different uh, games. Yes. Oh, that's good. I've got Arsenal v Bournemouth to both score and over two and a half goals in the game. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I reckon it'll be three all. Yep. <laughs> um, and then Man United to beat Crystal Palace and be ahead at half time and full time. Man United don't score first half goals and they don't they don't go in the lead. The last three games have been one and up at half time. Okay. I, I read that on the internet. I take that I take that back. <laughs> but I feel like that's going to be paying quite a lot of money. You're better. Uh, paying three eighty. Three eighty. Yeah, that's a lot of things to go right for three eighty. Man, you have to be winning at half time, so they got win both halves. Yeah, no, just win at half time. Be up at half time and full time, so it could be one nil up and win one nil. It's got to be winning. Ah, right. Okay, sorry. Yeah, so they don't have to win both. And then Arsenal Bournemouth have just got to score goals. Zaha is going to come back and kick your ass. Probably. (laughs) Um, Does anyone have anything else before we go? Eddie Howe. Oh, bloody hate Eddie Howe. Um, does anyone have anything before we go? No? Thank you for listening, everyone. We have been the Football Shed. Um, we'll be back next week in the Shed. Um, as always, if you want to get in touch, shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on social media. Just search Football Shed. Um, leave us a review on iTunes. Tell your mates. We're on Spotify as well. And we'll be back oh, next week. I thought oh. something. Oh, Rog, what is right it? At, right at the death. There's still hope for us. Did you see in the week about the man that has been running a radio show for like 30 years in some small town in the UK? Yes. Uh, from his shed. Yes. From his shed. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, pirate radio station. No, I'm with you. I'm on, I'm on the train, Rog. He's on keep driving the train. Audience of one because of licensing laws, which is his wife in the house. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'm... And he's kept it going. And find someone, uh, there was an article from the 70s or something, and somebody that they did, you know, in a local newspaper, and someone tweeted it or something this week. And then the Nationals have got hold of it, and now he's got a radio show on BBC, and he's going to be famous. Wow. I tell you, the world is, is just... Holding its breath for us. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week. See ya.